Suppose, uh, hypothetically, he wanted his company to win the 24 Hours of Le Mans. You're one of the only Americans that's ever done it, so I'm, uh, I'm wondering, what's it take? Hypothetically. Hypothetically. It takes something money can't buy. Money can buy speed. That isn't about speed, Lee. It's not just like those other tracks where all you do is turn to the left for four hours. To win that race, you need a car that's light enough to do 200 on the straightaways, but strong enough to keep that up for 3,000 miles without a break. Not just the best car y'all have ever made, but better than anything that Enzo Ferrari shows up with that year. And that just gets you to the green flag. That's where your problems really start. So you're saying it's challenging. Look, it's not even a track, Lee. Le Mans eight and a half miles of country road. It's narrow, ungraded, it's rough. There's no camber on the turns, no rails. You gotta do that for 24 hours. 24 hours, Lee. That means night. Half that race is in the dark. Cars coming up on you out of nowhere. Drivers stumbling around the track, pouring blood. Maybe one of them's your friend. Maybe, maybe he's on fire. You're exhausted, you're hungry, can't remember your name, what country you're in, and all of a sudden you realize you're doing 198 on a straight. And if anything goes wrong, you blow a gasket, five cent washer. That's it, whole thing's over. Ferrari wins again. It's like he won last year, year before that, year before that. Yeah, it's challenging. You don't think that Ford Motor Company can build the greatest race car the world's ever seen. You think that we are incapable of winning an event like that, even if we had a brilliant partner, even if we wrote a uh, blank check. What I'm saying is you can't buy a win, Lee. But maybe you could buy the guy who gets you a shot. to the main event. I'm going to go backwards today. I'm going to say, hey, that song was Hang On, Help Is On Its Way from Little River Band, and that's in that's in honor of Larry Elder joining the governor's race in California. Hang on, California. Help is on its way. This may be the only chance this state has to survive and what we're going to talk about on this show today. But let me talk about the, the movie clip that I started out with from Ford versus Ferrari from, I think, 2019 it was this is a great movie um i've watched it probably five or six times 
and this is the first time I've used a clip from it. And there's a whole bunch of clips. And and if you read my book that's coming out in September, Experience Matters, here's mine. Um, I have a whole chapter on movie clips and why I watch movies the way I do, why I open my shows the way they do, because movie clips are little pieces of people's experiences that if you if you watch and pay attention, watch closely and, and think about every little line in it, every little every little comment. Somebody put a lot of a lot of uh, concentration into that and a lot of concentration, a lot of thought into those. And there's a reason for every little comment and there's, and there's life lessons in everything. And this clip about, about, uh, with Lee Iacocca, um, asking, uh, Carol Shelby, what it would take to build a, a, a car on from Ford motor company to buy, to build a car that would beat Ferrari in the 24 hours of Le Mans. This is a story about life. What does it take to survive life? You know, when he talks, when he talks about that, you got to have a car that's light enough to go 200 in the straightaways and strong enough to keep it up for 3000 miles with no brakes. That's how you have to be. You have to be, you have to be nimble enough and healthy enough in your body to, to survive the, the physical parts of life. And you have to be strong enough mentally to, to handle all the little things that come at you. Um, you know, Le Mans is not a racetrack. It's it's narrow. It's it's uh, it's it's uh, what do you say? Un, ungraded, rough. Um, there's no there's no camber in the turns. You know what? That's how life is. There's times when there's times when there's not enough time to get your job done, but you, the work still has to get done. There's times when when you gotta when you gotta go without sleep. There, you know, life is tough. Parents need to teach their kids life is tough. Be ready for it. God doesn't give you give you the the desires of your heart without making sure you're prepared for it. And by the time you get to the end of your life and whatever that whatever that means, the end of your working years, the end of your of uh, your driving to to meet your goals, whatever that is, you're gonna pay a price. You know, half of it's at night you can't see. Unexpected tragedies come. Hey, you know, you come across. There's drivers walking across the road. Maybe it's one of your friends. You know, you're tired, you're hungry, and, and you can't, you don't even know what country you're in. And next thing you know, you realize you're doing, uh, you're doing 198 in the straightaway. This is life, folks. This is life. You know, in the very, the very last part, and I thought about this, is, hey, you know what? Uh, money can, can, can't buy you a win, but it can buy you, it can buy the guy that might get you a chance. And I was thinking about this how, as, I, as I wrote my book. I said, hey. My book won't won't buy you success, but if you read it at the right time in your life, it might give you a chance. It might give you enough enough uh, insight to to have a chance chance at some great success. And uh, you know, my experiences were a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of price paid, a lot of lessons learned, and I learned a lot of lessons from watching movies that so sped it up a little bit, but. Looking, looking back, looking back, there's a story there. There's a story there. My wife told me for 15 years I should be writing a book. And I finally just uh, hit myself over the head. Okay, I'll do it. Took me a year to do it. Um, I hope you guys hope you guys read it. So anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about every, every reason that you need to have your eyes wide open. Every reason that now 
more than ever. You have to have your eyes wide open, your brain wide open, and you got to have your mouth wide open and talk to, be talking to people because we're in a we're in a really critical place in our country right now and in our state, and even right where we live. Um, but first, before I do that, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you want to get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. I slowed down because some people say I'd say it too fast and they had to play it back a few times before they can figure out what my phone number was. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone, do the cyber way, do the... To go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo. That'll take you to my lending page where you can put in as much information as you uh, want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear from myself or one of our talent, my talented teammates, and we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether that's uh, refinance a piece of property that you own or buy a piece of property that you'd like to own um, that you don't already, or if you want to get involved in one of those those uh, those things that people are all talking about, that reverse mortgage thing, call me or go to edhoffman.net. Also, for those of you people that are thinking about moving out of California for obvious reasons, um, if you're you're looking in any of these states, Arizona, Nevada, Texas, Utah, Colorado, Arkansas, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, Ohio, Idaho, Montana, Washington, or Oregon, I think that's all of them. Um, and you need financing, I can finance there. I'm licensed in 15 states and uh, I'll help you uh, help you find uh, where you want to go. And we'll talk more about specific places that you might think about um, in the second half. So let's talk about what's going on. Oh, uh, also, uh, also uh, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. And uh, the Facebook page is the main event. Uh, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Um, and then also if you have comments on the show, you can, uh, uh, email me ed at ed And, uh, I got a lot of comments uh, from the last couple weeks shows. Believe me, I read every single one of them. Um, and I appreciate your input. Um, also if you want to hear the podcast podcast, uh, if you need this hear part of the show repeated or all of it repeated, um, ed Hoffman.net has the podcast page. You can also get on SoundCloud or iTunes. Okay, let's get into the the meat of uh, what what I'm talking about this week. Hey, California homelessness finally finally caught the national news, uh, finally getting some widespread attention it needs with national media outlets covering it in depth this week. The New York Times published a story on Tuesday that focuses mostly on Los Angeles and the atrocious homelessness homeless encampments at Venice Beach, but they also reported this. More than one quarter of the nation's homeless population lives in California. In February last year, Newsom devoted the entire state of the state address to homeless to the homelessness crisis. It's a disgrace that the richest state in the richest nation is falling so far behind to properly house, heal, and humanly treat so many of its own people. Yeah, who's responsible for that, Newsom? Um, and why are so many people coming here? I've said this. I've said this a few times. Um, in case you haven't, if in case you haven't heard it when I've said it before, I had a friend that went to Texas looking for properties and, uh, he asked, he asked the realtor over there, you know, how do you guys deal with the homelessness? He goes, we don't deal with it. We give them a, instead of everybody walking by and giving them $2 and $5 and, and, uh, you know, Hey, here's, here's some money to get out of my face. So I don't have to deal with you. 
we uh, we give them a ninety eight dollar one way ticket, one way bus ticket to California where everything's free, and surprisingly, they get on the bus and they go, because everything's free in California, and you know how California gets the money to do that? They take it from us citizens. If that doesn't anger you, check your pulse. You might be dead. And that was before the pandemic pushed figures even higher. In May of this year, Newsom announced that $12 billion, the biggest investment by any state, would be spent to fight homelessness. Uh, Let's just throw money at it. That's the problem. Housing advocates say that, that that's not nearly enough. The California Housing Partnership says that over the next decade, the state needs to create 1.2 million more homes for low-income residents and the homeless, which would cost roughly $17.9 billion a year. Newsom's proposal doesn't include a long-term plan or a permanent source of funding, and this problem is not a housing problem. Because you'll find out when the police go arrest people and try to get them help, for being a vagrant and destroying things. They don't want to live in houses. They want a life of no responsibility. They want a life of no laws because they got nothing to lose. They got nothing to lose. So they just commit the crimes. And if, if they get arrested, they get a, they get a ticket and let go. It's getting worse and worse. And I'm going to talk about this more in a couple. Well, I'm going to talk about it more right now. Fox news covered a local story this week. A Riverside County woman named Cynthia was who was actually accosted in her home by a deranged homeless person. She came to my front um, yard, took off her shirt, grabbed a big rock, wrapped it up in her shirt. I closed up my windows, which got her attention, and that's when she ran up to my front door. She was trying to kick in my door, banging on my window, saying, come out, I wanna, I'm going to kill you. Then she went to my garage door, throwing the rocks, the ceramic. Oh, I'm sorry. She grabbed a large ceramic pot, threw that at my door, then started kicking at my garage door. She jumped in the back of our truck, grabbed a four by four and started pounding out the windows. And thankfully, the police came right at that time. But what this is about, this is about a problem that's been going on in the city of Riverside and all of California. We're on the verge of lawlessness here. It seems that the laws that we have only apply to certain folks, like someone like myself, my husband, hardworking people, citizens that, that pay taxes, that are homeowners. If we were to be doing the same things, they'd be locking us up because there's something that they can take from us. But the people on the streets that are committing the crime, and I'm talking about the criminals here, I wanna make something very clear. When I'm talking about homeless, I'm not talking about the people that want help and that need help. I'm all for helping them. We're talking about the criminal vagrants here that are terrorizing us in our Mm. communities, in our neighborhoods, and now in our own homes. You know, when you see all these people that are moving out of California, they're they're moving because, are they moving because the price of gas is so high here? Are they moving because the the income taxes are so high here? Are they moving because the property taxes are so high here? You know what they're moving? They're moving because the crime is out of control here. There's a video on the internet uh, that Chad Bianco did an interview with. I don't know who it was, but someone was uh, sending around on Facebook. It happened a couple of weeks ago. I saw it last weekend and watch. It's an hour and 10 minutes long. Uh, I figured I'd watch a few minutes of it. I watched the whole thing and Chad Bianco puts out the the real, some of the real problems that we see in letting our law enforcement do their, do their job. And I've said on the radio before, what the governor needs, if if I was governor, what I would do in the state, and that's triple law enforcement and build more prisons. And, you know, you should take all, all that advice that I said 
and listen to Chad Bianco's video as well and and get a get a really clear picture of what's happening here and uh, then make sure that you get involved in the governor's race because Larry Elder is probably our only chance, our only chance to save this state. And as California goes, so goes the United States. And we'll talk about more of that. But, but people, people who don't live here in California think California's homelessness crisis is only in Los Angeles. Listen to what the reporter asked her next. This is a problem all over Southern California? Oh, it's all over California. Oh. Our, our, our city officials, our mayors, our legislatures, our governor, they are failing us. It is unsafe in our own communities. You know, we have had murders here. A lady who was walking her dog just in April, just down the street from me, was stabbed to death by a mentally deranged woman who just three days prior had attacked another woman and then was let out the same day. They are failing us. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, our our wonderful, wonderful, wonderful governor who thought, hey, COVID's hitting. We in order to in order to make make the prisons safe, we have to let all these all these murderers and all these people out so they don't get COVID. Well, what did that do to us? The hard-paying, law-abiding, hard-working, law-abiding, tax-paying citizens that put them all on the streets with us. So we, then we then we voted for Proposition 47 and 57. Well, let's just let people out if they can they can uh, they can steal up to $950, and it's and it's not even it's not even a uh, uh, an arrestable crime. We'll just make it easy. A slap on the wrist, and you got people going in. You got stores shutting down because. People are have nothing to lose. They'll go in and just steal up to nine hundred fifty. They got their little calculator up there, and they steal nine hundred dollars worth of stuff. And when the cops arrest, uh, come pick them up, they can't take them. No, no, no. We did. I didn't steal over nine fifty. You know who the stupid people are? It's not the crooks. It's the the voters. And some of you voters go, well, you know, I read the proposition. I thought uh, this was the right thing. I thought I should vote it down. I thought I had some problems. Oh, I, I, I thought it had merit. You didn't do squat. You watched some commercial on TV that the liberals put out and you're letting people out. That's destroying this, this state. That's why. And you know, at some point, all these property values are going to take a dump. When all, the, when all the nice people move out. When all the nice people move out, you watch the property values go down. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna affect our wealth, folks. I know you guys don't want to do that. It's time to start waking up. It's time to start talking to kids, and uh, and and letting them know, hey. And I'm not talking about kids, your little kids. I'm talking about your your uh, your kids that are almost adults and the kids that think they're adults. You know, I was watching Family Feud the other night, and it says, at what age does a boy become a man? And people go, ah, oh, 13, you know, they answered, one of them answered 13 and one answered 16. Well, the number one answer was 18, but number one, 18, they become legally adult. I don't think a boy becomes a man until about 26, 27, after they have to start paying their own bills and they make some mistakes and they're raising kids and they're, and they're dealing with the world because you know what, just being 18 doesn't make you a man and just being 18 doesn't make you a, an adult either. And it's time time to start talking some sense into these kids because as I as I mentioned before, one of my just graduated uh, uh, employees goes, "Well, don't you think any part of socialism is good?" No, I mean like free medical. No, no part of socialism because this is the nature of people. So while we're talking about socialism, let's stop talking about what the Democrats are telling us. Let's talk about 
a country where it really where they really have socialism and let's see how how that experiment works for them as it works everywhere else where there's socialism let's talk about cuba thousands of cubans are taken to the streets of havana this week to lash out at the worsening conditions in the country under the communist regime the biggest protests in decades what kinds of conditions cuba has been grappling with acute shortages of food and medicine throughout the covid you know, it, it frustrates me when I can't get a doctor's appointment. It frustrates me when I say, hey, I need to get in to see the doctor. I need to get I need to get a prescription uh, uh, refilled and they won't do it because I haven't seen them in a year. Or I need to do this or I need something simple. Can you imagine is you, there's no food? Hey, I'm hungry. I need some food. I don't have any money, but I need some food. Oh, the grocery stores don't have any food either. Because the grocery stores are run by the government. People make lines for blocks to buy whatever they can find at stores, most of which are actually run by the Cuban government. More on that in a minute. Inflation and blackouts in the summer heat wave have aggravated the situation. So, you know, on top of being hungry and uh, sick, um, the prices of everything's gone up and it's hot and your air conditioners don't work if you have an air conditioner and you don't have electricity and that's just making people more, more angry. This is socialism, folks. Here's someone whose parents fled Cuba in the early 50s, uh, Senator Marco Rubio, speaking on the Senate floor Monday. The way socialism, the way Marxism has always worked, the way it's always empowered itself, is it goes to a people and immediately divides them. It says, there is this oppressor class, and then there is this victim class, and these evil oppressors and, you know, capitalists in the case of socialism or traditional Marxism, they oppress the victims. And what you have to do is you have to give us the power in government to take care of these oppressors, to go after these oppressors. And if you give us that power, we will deliver you security. We will protect you from the oppressors. They ask for security in exchange for freedom. That is always the price that socialism asks for, security. And what you wind up with is a country of people that hate each other, that are angry at each other. A significant portion of the people in the country have to leave, have to flee, go to jail. Their lives are destroyed. Their family lives are destroyed. Yeah, this is this is this is what it's like. This is what it's like in real communism. This is what it's like. You don't get to work your own jobs. You don't get to do what you want. There's no such thing as the freedom the way we know it in America. Remember what Marco Rubio isn't ta isn't talking about theory. This is actually what's happening in socialist countries like Cuba, and uh, uh, and it's the direction the far left is trying to take our own country. But the socialism can't deliver the security, and when it can't deliver the security, you don't get your freedom back. And in fact, when you start to complain about that, that is when the repression comes. Well, that's what's happened in Cuba. Socialism and Marxism has done in Cuba what it has done everywhere in the world that it's been tried. It has failed. Where they were told, give up your freedom in exchange for a, a world-class health care system. It's not a world-class health care system. In fact, it's a, it's a health care system that does not even have the ability to deal with COVID at its very basic level. That says, give up your freedom for economic security. What economic security? People are hungry. Homes are crumbling. There is no economy. There is no real economy in Cuba. Give up your freedom and you'll have an education, free education for everybody. That education, number one, you're a doctor. You can drive a taxi cab in Cuba and make more money. Or number two, you get sent, forced to be, go overseas and work basically on slave wages no pay, ba barely any pay at all. It's basically human trafficking. 
as the, our own Department of State found when it looked at the Cuban doctor's program and how it's been abused. So what's happened in Cuba is socialism has failed. It has to repress the people who complain about it. You don't get your freedom back. And like socialists always do, they have to find someone to blame. And who do they blame? Number one, they blame anybody in the country that doesn't agree with them. You're immediately a counter-revolutionary. You're immediately a pawn of the imperialists. And then, of course, they always blame the United States. Yeah, folks, this, uh, this thing called socialism doesn't work ever in anything. It's a failure. Don't listen to the Democrats. Make sure your kids don't listen to the Democrats. Don't listen to CNN and PMS, NBC and all these things. Use your brain. Use your brain. And, and again, I know my audience is probably a little older, so we need to talk to our, our adult kids and our, and our grandkids, and we need to talk some sense in them because they're steering this country. I mean, I don't even know what the, what the object of the game is here on the Democrats, but I'm going to talk a lot more about that, but I'm out of time for part one. So uh, stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, and sports, and, I will, uh, and I'll be right back, and we'll talk a lot more about what's going on. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the show because most people think it's boring unless you're in the market. But if you are in the market and want to talk to someone who thinks like you, who uh, has a logically thinking brain, they will help uh, help you find uh, make decisions based on what's best for you and not what's best for them. Um, Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, and uh, do the computer thing. So before the break, I was talking about uh, uh, what's going on in Cuba, and uh, Marco Rubio's uh, talking about what what socialism is really about, not what the theory of, not what not what the Democrats want to tell you, not what they tell you. Hey, we should be entitled to a universal uh, universal income, so everybody gets X amount of dollars from per month. Don't you think that's a good idea? That's fair for everybody. No, it's not a good idea. Everybody should have free school. No, that's not a good idea either. Everybody should have free health care. They should be, well, you know what? If everybody has free health care, then what's a, what's, what do we, how do we pay doctors that put in uh, 20 years of their, their first 20 years of life? Well, their first 20 years, they're 20, you know, 10, they go through high school and go through another 10 years of, of uh, college and medical school and internships and, and uh, and what residencies and all that stuff before they get to start making money. Why is that fair? Uh, and then they've got you know five hundred thousand dollars worth of student loans. I used to say a hundred thousand because a hundred thousand used to be a uh, used to be a doctor or a lawyer. But now I see people with three hundred thousand dollars worth of student debt for a bachelor's degree in basket weaving, which is uh, a whole nother chapter in, in my book coming out called uh, Experience Matters. Here's mine coming out in September. Stay tuned for it, folks. So uh, we talked about uh, Marco Rubio. Rubio mentioned that the Cuban government blames the U.S., but it's not Cuba blaming us. It's the far left in our own government, like, of course, Bernie Sanders, who tweets, all people have the right, all people have the right to, to protest and live in a democratic society. I call on the Cuban government to respect opposition rights and refrain from violence. It's also long past time to end the unilateral U.S. embargo on Cuba which has only hurt, not helped the Cuban people. 
What a moron. What a complete moron. Remember, consider the source. Bernie Sanders has never had a job. He's never had a job. If you look at Bernie Sanders, and of course, if it wasn't for the Democrat Party making everybody jump out of the race and endorse Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders would have been in the, in the general election against President Trump. But they saw Bernie, Bernie uh, Sanders leading in the polls. They go, well, we can't have a socialist there. And this is what confuses me. We can't have a socialist there. That's going to be a landslide for Trump. Well, it was a landslide for Trump, but they had to figure out how to cheat. So you notice within three days, every single candidate got out and endorsed Joe Biden. And I can imagine what Amy Klobuchar and, and Cory Booger and, uh, and, and all these, and, uh, you know, uh, Tulsi Gabbard and all these people, all these people that, that actually got out, that have a brain that might have a, a lot, you know, a way to argue things and, and consider the, consider different, different, uh, repercussions from certain acts, how they felt saying, oh, okay, I'm going to get out of the race and I'm going to endorse this, this hunk of hunk of, uh, of government cheese over here to be the, uh, to be the president of the United States. So, you know, what is, what is the, what is the deal with that? How do they feel now? Cause this guy, this guy is a, is a turnip. He's a, he's a stick of broccoli. He doesn't even know where he's at. And now Bernie Sanders, who would have been the candidate is in there telling us that we need to respect the, the opposition rights and we need to stop the embargo to help the, help the Cuban people. It's the United States fault. Somebody needs to talk some sense in, in the, into everybody in America. This is scary. This is scary. Here's Marco Rubio's response to Bernie Sanders' tweet. The embargo, that's the, the first thing they blame. It's the embargo. The embargo's causing all this. Why aren't fishermen and farmers in Cuba allowed to fish or grow things and sell it to people? It's not the embargo that keeps them from doing that. It's the regime. Why can't Cubans own a small business? Why can't a Cuban do in Cuba what they can do in Miami, what they can do in Washington, what they do in countries all over the world? They can't do it in Cuba. They can't open a small business. That's not the embargo that keeps them from doing it. In fact, U.S. law allows us to trade and to do commerce with small businesses that are independently owned by Cubans. You know why Cubans can't own small businesses? It's not the embargo. It's not the U.S. It's the regime that doesn't allow it. People see these lies. How can they afford to build luxury, four-star, world-class hotels for tourists, but they cannot afford to deal with the crumbling homes that Cubans are living in, with roofs literally falling in over their head, with water leaking into operating rooms at hospitals? They, look what they do with the money. Oh, it's because you don't allow more money to be sent. When an American or Cuban-American sends money to their family members in Cuba in the past through the Western Union, the regime takes 10% off the top, and then they take those dollars you sent they force the Cubans to convert it into a worthless Cuban currency. They keep the dollars. And then guess what? If you want to buy anything, you got to buy it from a government store. And guess what the government store sells things for? Dollars. That's not the embargo. That's the Cuban regime that does that. Yeah, we don't see, all, we don't see the truth about everything that's going on because we only see what the TV shows us. And it's worse in, it's worse in Cuba because they don't get to see, you know, it's uh, Cuba, China, North Korea. They don't get to see the internet stuff. So they don't get to see all the, see all this stuff. So wake up. This is where we're going and realize once we let this slip, well, you know, maybe it won't be so bad. Once we let our freedoms go away, they're gone. We'll never get them back. Once they take our guns, that's when it comes in. They take our guns so we can't fight back. We give up our freedom so we don't have it. We don't have anything to, to defend.
scary, folks. It's scary, and and you know what? Uh, I know when I get up to the pearly gates, I have to I have to answer, and you have to answer for all the things you've done on this world, and we also have to answer for the things that we should have done, the things we should have said when we knew we should have, and we didn't. Think about that. As for the White House reaction to the protest, Jen Psaki circled back to let us know there are no plans for Joe Biden to give a tear down this wall speech to the Cuban regime. There's every indication that yesterday's protests were uh, spontaneous expressions of people who are exhausted with the Cuban government's economic mismanagement and repression. And those these are protests inspired by the harsh reality of everyday life in Cuba, not people uh, in another country. Yeah, we don't want to get involved in uh, tear down this wall kind of things. You know, it's uh, it. I'm surprised it wasn't a uh, spontaneous response from a uh, reaction to a YouTube video that uh, somebody did here that we're going to arrest and keep him in jail. You know, I think the guy who who uh, who created that YouTube video that inspired the spontaneous attack on Benghazi, Libya, in 2012. I think he's still in jail. Think about this, folks. They can do anything to anybody. If we let them, only if we let them, you know, the, the right to bear arms, the right to bear arms was to protect us from, a from our government taking over. And of course, and of course, when we talk about the, the lady in Riverside, that the homeless person was attacking her door, her door, uh, that's another thing to, Hey, you know what? The government allows them to do all this stuff and there's no consequences. All you got to do is, is is cock your gun, make sure you've already got it cocked and the safety's off, and then open the door. And then when she throws that one thing, that's the that's the act you need to pull the trigger and 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 stop it and defend your rights. You can't just shoot through the door because as long as the door is protecting you, but she knocked on the door and you you got your gun already and then let her come in and attack you in, in, a, in the rage. Let her come in with the four by four and fire. And I'm not telling people how to how to murder homeless people. I'm just telling you the reality, the reality of this is it's going to come to your door and that's when you're going to realize that it was time to pay attention. Well, you know what? I don't really listen to the news too much because it's, it's so depressing. I like to watch, uh, watch the Dodgers. Go Dodgers! Go Dodger Blue! Go Lakers! You know what? You won't be able to watch the Lakers on your TV when someone comes in and takes it from you. All right, Ed, you're just being negative. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. This is this how it is. I'm a I'm a fortune teller. I can just see the future and this is this is where the idiocy, the the what's the word I'm looking for? The apathy of America is going to come in and bite us in the butt. And I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about my kids and my grandkids. And uh and I like you have to have to pound this into my kids to get them to listen to. Yeah, dad is just uh he's just he's just all uh uh, obsessed with all this stuff. Well, I see what my life has been like, and I see all the freedom to do what I've done going away. Liberty and freedom is fragile, folks. And uh, and then here's here's the last part of the Cuban Cuban story. To the Cubans who want to come here to claim asylum because they really have they really have problems in in Cuba. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has this message. That might be an option for everyone in Central America, but it's not an option for you in Cuba. The time is never right to attempt migration by sea. To those who risk their lives doing so, this risk is not worth taking. 
allow me to be clear. If you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States. Sounds so sounds so good with the echo behind him, and it sounds so so official the way the speechwriter wrote that. Um, but you know, it's just there's just no there's just no consistency in anything they're doing. Well, we have to save all these people. Really, here's some people that really need saving, and you're just saying, "Hey, don't come." Okay. So uh, if you saw Tucker Carlson on Wednesday, you heard the Pentagon sent his show official confirmation that the U.S. military is flying illegal immigrants on passenger planes across the country to be resettled in the U.S. You know what? I've talked about this, that uh, up in Montana where Don and I just bought a house, um, that the governor said, no, 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 no. As Biden administration is trying to send a, a, a whole load of illegal immigrants, you know, illegal immigrants, you know, people that come across that aren't legal to be here. Uh, they're not, they're not, uh, they're, they're not just, uh, un, uh, what's a, what's a way they say it here. Oh, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but it's, these people aren't, aren't refugees and they're not, they're not, uh, they're not undocumented Democrats. They're, uh, these are illegal people. And the, and the governor of Montana and a bunch of other states said, no, 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 no. You're not bringing them here. No way. Uh, so the Biden administration has enlisted our military. So now we have confirmation uh, that the Biden administration has enlisted our military to move illegal immigrants around the country. Since it's been because we don't need to have anybody uh, protecting our freedoms anywhere. So we'll have our military move illegal immigrants around the country. Been going on since March, about the time, about the time that we mentioned it. Um, but we weren't supposed to know that. Why are we finding out now? Because of an anonymous whistleblower who sent Tucker's show a copy of an email from Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Burroughs at Laughlin Air Force Base in Texas, which is not Lackland Air Force Base. It's Laughlin Air Force Base. I had to say, are you sure it's not Lackland? Lackland's where they do all the all the uh, basic training for the Air Force. No, it's Laughlin Air Force Base in Del Rio, Texas, um, where Lackland's in uh, San Antonio. So in the email, Burroughs explained to his subordinate to his subordinates what was happening and asked that they keep it secret. Over the next few days or weeks or months, you may see passenger aircraft on a ramp transporting undocumented non-citizens. That's where, that's what I was looking for. Undocumented non-citizens. That means illegal immigrants, um, illegal aliens, illegal uh, people that shouldn't be here. He wrote, please review the attached guidance on the issue. Do not take photographs and refrain from posting anything on social media. Let's not tell everybody what we're really doing. A Pentagon spokesman confirmed to Tucker's show that the email is legitimate and Laughlin is being used by ICE for non-citizen movement to move illegal people, criminals, around the country. It was unclear from the Pentagon statement where the immigrants are being flown to, but this investigative report from the Center of Immigration Studies released in June gives us some ideas. This is from their video showing dozens of, of migrants from numerous countries, not just Central America, boarding a bus in Texas. Pay attention here because they're going to give you some clues of where you don't want to move to. What's happening most of the time is that they are boarding buses and heading into America's heartland. A conveyor belt of commercial and charter buses just like this one in Del Rio, Texas, are carrying tens of thousands sight unseen from Texas, Arizona, and California borderlands northward. And they are dropping their Haitian, Venezuelan, Cuban, and Central American family units in Florida, and New Jersey, Tennessee, Massachusetts, Michigan, North Carolina, Georgia, Kentucky, and to large cities in Texas, such as Dallas and Houston. 
So there's there's a clue if you're trying to get out of California, trying to get out of California. Here's the places where the illegal Im- immigrants are there waiting for you. That would be uh, Florida, New Jersey, Tennessee, Massachusetts, Michigan, North Carolina, Georgia, and Kentucky. So I noticed that Montana's not there, which is good. And these and plus a couple of big in the big cities in Texas, Dallas, and Houston. So they're taking them from California, Arizona, and Texas. How come nobody crosses the border in New Mexico? Oh, there's only a little tiny piece of New Mexico that touches the border, isn't it? Because um, most of it's on the panhandle of Texas. So uh, so they're coming from uh, California, Arizona, and Texas, and they're moving them up to the bigger cities in Texas, and then Florida, New Jersey, Tennessee, Massachusetts, Michigan, North Carolina, Georgia, and Kentucky. Okay, so pick another state if you're trying to get out of it and you want to get away from this this problem of the crime following you there. And uh, don't anybody call me a racist because uh, illegal immigrants mean mean crime. But just by the by the definition of illegal immigrants, uh, they're criminals. So uh, people that will break one law will break a second law. I don't know. That's just my theory. I could be wrong. I don't think so. So let's talk about let's talk about what's going on in Texas this week because been all over the news. The Texas Senate approved an election integrity bill. Tuesday, one day after 51 Democrats took a took a bus and private jets to Washington D.C. to avoid voting on it in the state, the lawmakers claim so so the Texas Senate so the Texas has a has a Senate and a and a House just like the like the like the federal government does in California we have a Senate and an Assembly same basic concept so the Senate approved this election integrity bill Tuesday. But Monday, 51 Democrats took a bus and private jets to Washington, D.C. And the reason for that is in order to pass it in the House, they have to have 100 out of 150 Congress people, House rep- the representatives, whatever they call them in Texas. So all these, all these uh, 51 of them, so uh, 51 of them had to be gone so they couldn't get 100 votes if all the rest of the Democrats and all the Republicans voted for this bill. So they ran... Like a bunch of like a bunch of wusses to Washington D.C., kind of like what they did in uh, in Wisconsin when Scott Walker was governor to keep him from uh, from uh, battling against the teachers' unions. So hey, if you can't win, let's just run and hide. Imagine these people have control of the House and the Senate and the White House. So if this is our military position, let's just run and hide. Doesn't it make you feel proud to be an American? The lawmakers claim this was a move to pressure Congress to pass legislation that would protect voters from what they're calling, surprise, surprise, Jim Crow 2.0. And for those of you that don't know, because everyone just talks about Jim Crow, Jim Crow ABs or Jim Crow laws. Half the people that talk about that don't even know what Jim Crow is, and I researched it. So Jim Crow essentially is just the segregation laws. It all dates back to some some caricature from some uh, person that played this in some kind of a something back in 1828 and it was uh offensive people don't even know remember what it was but it's segregation laws so hey we're we're trying to we're trying to to do things against black people um and minorities to keep them from voting but that's so far from the truth after drinking as much miller light as possible on the trip and that's not a joke that's what they really did the ragtag bunch of texas dems held a press conference that can best be described as uh entertaining We were quite literally forced to move and leave the state of Texas. We also know that we are living right now on borrowed time in Texas. And we can't stay here indefinitely to run out the clock to stop Republican anti 
voter bills. We will overcome. We will overcome. You know, what's funny is they can't all decide what the words are. They don't know what the tune is. All they know is, hey, here's here's what we're going to say. We shall or we will overcome today or someday. And uh, uh, I don't know. It was a song in the movie Selma, and it was a Pete Seeger thing from uh, way back when. And, uh, uh, you know, we're just going to make this as dramatic as BS as possible. Let's talk about what's actually in the bill. Here's here's what's actually in the bill that this is so this is so voter oppression. No polling stations in tents or parking garages. You know, so they can't do stuff where the helicopter couldn't see it. No kicking poll workers out of poll stations, polling stations, you know, like they did in uh, Philadelphia and uh, Detroit uh, on uh, November 3rd. Uh, Poll workers have to be able to see the counts at all times, which is what they why they're there to to make sure people don't cheat. Large cities have to live stream the counting rooms on the web so everybody can watch. So, you know, when we all when they they pull some fancy thing like they did in uh, Atlanta where hey, they sent everybody home because they said there was a, 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 a broken water main that there wasn't ever a broken water main. They sent everybody home. And they pulled out these uh, these trunks from under the under the tables and with a bunch of ballots in them that nobody was supposed to see. But the security cameras caught them. OK, that means the whole country's watching this stuff. Somebody at 3.30 in the morning is going to be watching when something happens. And if I miss it, someone else in in, uh, Oklahoma is going to know, hey, hey, did you see this? And next thing you know, we're all going to hear about it. Um, All votes are required to have a paper trail. No votes disappearing into the machine. And, of course, paper trail, if you're watching uh, the the news on the uh, Arizona audit of Maricopa County, oh, wait, we want to see the envelopes. Realize these absentee ballots, they don't have any way to, to check where they came from once you separate them from the envelopes. It's all the identification stuff's on the envelope. So when they were when they were counting them in November 3rd and 4th and 5th and 6th and 7th, um, you know, they're opening the envelopes and just throwing away the envelopes and putting the ballots in a stack. So we don't have any way of knowing. So they're saying, hey, uh, paper trail has to have has to be there. There's no there's no cheating allowed. No ballot harvesting. Can't have somebody go around and pick up votes from everybody. To request a ballot by mail, write your signature, provide your driver's license ID or the and or the last four digits of your social security number so we know that you're a real person. They don't have to provide a photocopy of their ID, but Kamala Harrison insults all the rural vo- all the rural voters who might think they have to. After all, these people have no idea how to make a photocopy. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't. There's no Kinko's. There's no Office Max near them. People have to understand that when we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course, people have to prove who they are. But not in a way that makes it them it almost impossible for them to prove who they are. That's such BS. You know they don't have uh, they don't have uh, Kinkos or Office Max, but they got iPhones. They got internet. 
they got internet. You know, I had to go sign some stuff when we were up in Montana and I needed to have it notarized and FedEx to escrow uh, on a transaction that we were doing. And, uh, and I, and I just Googled it and the closest notary near someplace I could FedEx was in Belgrade, not in Bozeman. It's four miles away instead of six miles away. And, uh, a little town, they have, they have a place that does FedEx and scans and does all that stuff right there in that little town of Belgrade. Amazing. And the bill actually encourages more voting. It expands voting hours. Uh, companies are required to allow workers to leave on, on election day so they can vote. Really sounds like something I suggested. Really sounds like Jim Crow 2.0, doesn't it? Joe Biden wants everyone to think so. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. The 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. It's unrelenting. And we're going to challenge it vigorously. Are you on the side of truth or lies, fact or fiction, justice or injustice, democracy or autocracy? That's what it's coming down to. Stand up for God's sake and help prevent this concerted effort to undermine our election and the sacred right to vote. Have you no shame? Yep, that's our president, folks. Isn't it embarrassing to listen to this, uh, this, this drama going on over trying to make sure they don't cheat? Hey, anyway, that's I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1016588, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.